Hello, and welcome back to Nesting with the Early Birds. I'm your hostess, Shannon Early, and today is going to be a great day. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad if you're coming back, you're listening for the first time, whatever it is. Thank you for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it that you're, you know, trusting me enough to be inside of your ear holes for a couple minutes. (laughs) So today I'm going to continue on the episode that I talked about last time with my daughter Evangeline. If you haven't heard it, you can hear the story all about Evangeline's crazy labor story and birth story and pregnancy with my collapsed lung, her getting stuck in my birth canal, all that jazz. It's a very exciting episode. So check that out if you want to get the backstory. But now I'm going to continue and talk about when we ended up even bringing her home. You would think, oh, the drama surely is over, but it is not. The drama just kept uh, continuing. So again, thank you so much for coming back. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, email me at nestingwiththeearlybirds at gmail.com or just go to my website at nestingwiththeearlybirds.com. And remember, it's E-A-R-L-E-Y. All right, friends, thank you for coming. So we're going to start with uh, where we ended, which was the sound of my daughter crying in the hospital after she was born. The most beautiful, majestic, wonderful sound there could be. We were first-time parents. You know, never had done this parenting gig before. We had done all the labor books. Like, we read those like crazy, but we hadn't really studied the newborn care manuals yet. And so I remember in the hospital when the doctors, you know, I was sitting there and waiting to heal from my C-section. They brought me all this paperwork and I poured over it. I was like, okay, this is how to care for her umbilical cord. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, if this happens and blah, blah, blah. And so we're in the hospital and Evangeline's really having a hard time drinking and drinking breast milk. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the breast milk is really important at first especially in the first stages of babyhood, you produce something called colostrum. The colostrum is really great to get your baby's digestive tract rolling. It is rich fat milk, but also it helps to have the meconium, which is like a black tar substance inside the baby. Um, It helps the meconium to expel. So Evangeline was having a really hard time drinking wasn't really expelling that much, but also apparently her bilirubin levels were climbing. Bilirubin is something that you have when you have jaundice. So when she was two days old, they were like, hey, you're not really producing enough milk, which, you know, that's always very stressful. And they're like, your baby needs more milk. You need to, you know, just don't be stressed, but make more. And you're like, I can't, I can't produce under this kind of stress. So, you know, and people are coming in and grabbing your boob. And actually that did happen. We, uh, I was trying to learn how to breastfeed and the lactation consultant came in, but we were at a teaching hospital at the time and they were like, do you mind if we have anybody come in and just watch? I was like, no, that's fine. Well, I didn't know she had an entire class and five people come in, including a man and they're watching her, you know, handle my boob and put my boob in the baby's mouth and everything. And I was just mortified. Like if you wanted to talk about the best way to relax for, before learning how to breastfeed, that wasn't it. It was just absolutely, <laughs> it was mortifying. And I hate to be like sexist, you know, I know that there's male nurses out there, but I wasn't trying to invite any boy into the room as I'm, you know, in the worst state of my life, showing him my boob. It was so embarrassing for me. Maybe you other moms out there are like, get over it, girl. It's fine. You're just making breast milk. And you know what, girl? Good for you. Good for you. So anyway, she wasn't, uh, you know, expelling the bilirubin enough. And so she ended up needing to not only be underneath these uh, sun lamps, 
but it was awful seeing her little body. They had her eyes covered up with some kind of, I don't know, gauze or something that was covering her eyes and keeping them shut so that the light wouldn't bother her eyes. And she was just constantly under the sun lamp. And if I wanted to see her, they had her wrapped up in what we called the glow worm blanket. And it's basically a lighted blanket. It's a blanket with sun lamp lights inside of it. And I had to hold her inside of that and not really take her out and everything. And it was just really heartbreaking because, again, you hear all these things about, oh, if you have a newborn, the best thing that you can do is skin to skin contact like constantly. And the best thing you can do is hold your baby all the time. They love to hear the feel the rocking of your body. blah blah blah. And I'm hearing all of this. Oh, and you need to breastfeed and just all of these things that women and everybody mean well when they say it. But it is just absolutely stress-inducing. It is just piles and piles of things that you're supposed to do and you're supposed to do well. It's your first time doing it. And when you don't do it right, guys, there's this feeling of failure and also this feeling of like, why am I a mom? Like, who's trusting me with this baby? I feel like I'm a young child. Like, what is going on? So it was just a lot. It was a lot. And any of you that have been through it, you understand that feeling of Um, hopelessness and just like you're a failure when you can't produce enough breast milk, your baby has jaundice. It's just a yucky situation. So finally, uh, we're we're staying at the hospital. We were supposed to let go, uh, go home on the third day um, because my lung had just at this point inflated, but she was just not doing really well with her jaundice. And they were like, you know, we would actually admit her to the hospital because her jaundice is so bad. So instead of us discharging you, let's just have you stay another day. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine with me. I've lived in this hospital now for four weeks at this point. Like, just add another day to the bill. Doesn't even, (laughs) it doesn't even matter. It's like, just, I don't know, throwing a penny in a well, like it's nothing. Let's just do it. So uh, we stayed another day in the hospital. And actually, the day that we came home was my husband's 29th birthday. Happy birthday, babe. You get your wife and a new baby daughter back at the house. So that was really sweet that we got to go home that day. And uh, in the beginning, you know, things were pretty good. Like, I had this new baby. I was finally home with my husband. And, um, you know, I was happy in a like a peaceful kind of sense, I guess. But I started to realize I wasn't really... I guess, happy in a joyous sense. And I know that as a Christian, there's like contentment that we are supposed to have. And I understand that. But after living in the hospital for a month and just the trauma of that, and then the trauma of the terrible birth and terrible delivery, and then my baby still being sick, I just like the sound of a cell phone or the sound of a TV doing something thing. It just put me on edge. Like I would get hives and I was just very stressed out. Um, almost like I had PTSD, which maybe it sounds so wimpy to you guys. I'm so sorry, but it's what happened to me. Like certain noises would just, you know, throw me over the edge or just get me so anxious or sweaty or whatever. So I'm already at this point, like extremely anxious. I have all these issues being at home. Everything just seems kind of weird and odd after you've been in the hospital so long. You just seem like, am I still sick? Like I was sick enough yesterday why am I home today? Like, you know, and then after having that bad of pneumonia, like I kept wanting to just jump back into having energy levels and I just couldn't. It turns out that if, you know, your lung collapses and you have really bad pneumonia, it can take a really long time to get your stamina back, your energy back. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I was feeling really upset with myself. Like I just have no energy all the time and I'm feeling stressed out. And people, again, would say things like, well, you're a new mom. Of course you're tired. But again, guys, 
just like they told me I was a, you know, new pregnant mom. And that's why I was so tired when I was pregnant. It was like, no, guys, my lung was collapsed. I was dying. That's why I was so tired. Same thing here. Like the exhaustion was beyond like, I'm sure. I mean, I am sure I have four kids. Yes, there's exhaustion as a new mom, but it didn't hit this level at all that I had with Evangeline. I'm just exhausted. And, um, during this time, we know we're putting up the Christmas tree and it's just really special. We would put the baby in front of the lights of the tree and she would just stare and look at them all night. And, you know, we got matching pajamas for the first time, me and my baby. And it was just so cute. Like those kind of things were really great. But um, when Evangeline was two and a half weeks old, you know, at this point, you're you're in a rhythm, you know, OK, the baby sleeps for X amount of time. They breastfeed this time for this amount of time, you just, you get into a rhythm or a schedule. And some of you moms might even, you know, do a schedule on purpose without it being a natural rhythm. Like you might put in a schedule. So you guys understand what the deal is, especially when your baby had already had a time breastfeeding. They're very concerned. Like they, the lactation consultants and the pediatricians and all that, they really want to know like how many times did she pee a day? How many times did she poop? When did you breastfeed her? All this stuff. So I was in like a very, typical routine at this time and I'm sitting on the couch with my husband and I'm sorry yeah I'm sitting on the couch with my husband and I'm like man we're just really relaxed like I don't know why but I just feel so relaxed and I realized wait a minute I haven't wait a minute Evangeline was supposed to wake up like a half an hour ago you know I'm gonna go check on her and just see what's happening and at this point like I wasn't really stressed it was more like huh like let me go let me go wake her up and the bassinet at this point was in an, um, in her little nursery room. And I go to wake her up and I see that her skin is a completely different color than what it should be. And I notice that she's completely still and that she's not breathing. And I panicked. I screamed out. I grabbed her and I started screaming, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Lord, help us. Help me, Father, please, Lord. And then I call out, Evan, call 911, Evangeline's not breathing. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And I remember seeing that movie, 101 Dalmatians, the animated version from Disney forever ago. And there's this scene where the puppies are being born one by one and everyone's so joyous. And then finally a puppy is born and then they realize he's not going to make it. He's going to die. And the dad, uh, gosh, what is his name? It's something, I don't know. I'm thinking Jim Darling, but I think that's Lady and the Tramp. Anyways, the guy, the owner guy goes and he picks up the dog and he starts rubbing it pretty vigorously with a blanket. And for some reason, that's all that came into our mind at that point. And... Evan and I just started like rubbing her, rubbing her back up and down, like pretty vigorously trying to wake her up. And, you know, her skin wasn't blue or green, but it was this kind of modely mottled purple color. Like it was just so off. It was very weird. It was strange. And by the grace of God, she opens up her little eyes and, uh, She starts sputtering and um, all this like foamy phlegm is coming out of her mouth. And she starts acting really weird. And then we start thinking she's having a seizure. And so I'm on the phone with 911 at this point. 
with the emergency people at this point. I'm like, she's awake, she's awake, but I, I think she's having a seizure. And they're like, okay, lay her on her side and just don't touch her. Like, just let her. And if you've ever seen a two-week-old, they're so tiny. And she was already an early baby. And here I am thinking, like, I just got her up from being dead. And I have to put her down on the bed and let her have the seizure by herself. And I'm watching her have all these bubbles coming out of her mouth. And it was just absolutely terrible. It was a really terrifying thing. And the ambulance and the fire truck end up coming and they knock on the door. And I'm so excited to see them. And one of the guys had just had a new baby himself. And um, it was hitting him really, really hard. He was he was pretty upset too. And they go to bring Evangeline into the ambulance, but she's just so tiny for a stretcher. So we end up buckling her into her car seat and then buckling the car seat onto the stretcher. I should edit this out and have it be a really professional sounding podcast, but I'm emotional about it, guys. And it's something that's that really happened in my life. And it was a really big deal. <laughs> Like, I almost lost my daughter. So they rushed her to the hospital. And they end up giving her some kind of medicine. And they were like, don't worry. It's, they said something like, it lights up the same receptors as heroin. And I'm like, what? What are you giving her? And they give it to her in this little nipple thing or whatever. And um, we end up going through so many different tests and procedures. And, you know, not just that night, but through the weeks that followed, we ended up going to a heart specialist, a gastrointestinal specialist. They thought maybe she had a fistula. They thought maybe she had something wrong with her heart, with her heart or her lungs. We went everywhere and they ended up determining that they just couldn't find a cause. And they said that what she experienced is what they call an acute life-threatening event. An acute life-threatening event. And basically, they said, if I hadn't found her, she would have been a SIDS case. For those of you who don't, don't know what SIDS is, SIDS stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And the odd thing is that that was something I was terrified would happen. Because my cousin died of SIDS when he was only three months old. And so I thought, you know, does SIDS run in our family? You know, and um, when that happened to her... That was just absolutely the most terrible. It was like the floor was just pulled from under me. It's this punch in the gut of like, what, what's happening right now? But they ended up putting her on these special monitors. She had monitors on her heart, monitors on her breathing, and they had her strapped up with these. Those moms of you might be out there that have had the same thing. They basically strap these electrodes on their chest, and then you wrap a... um like a cotton sort of thing around their their chest to cover up the electrodes. And she wore these for the first nine months of her life. And in the beginning, there would be times where she would stop breathing or her heart would stop a lot, a lot. We would be in the car and she'd be in the back seat and we'd hear beep, 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 beep. Or we would be going to bed at night and we would hear beep, 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 beep. And so that was extremely intense. Um, we would carry that case around with us all the time and because uh, it was connected to her. <laughs> I remember one time my husband and I were like, we haven't had a break. Nobody wanted to watch Evangeline or help us because she was so they were just so scared that she was going to get hit, uh, hurt. And so we hadn't had any like help in that regard at all. And Evan and I, you know, at this point have been in utter intense stress for months 
you know, months because I was just in the hospital for a month. And then there's a month of Evangeline being on the monitor. So when she was about two months old, we were like, let's go to the movies and we'll just bring her. You know, babies are real quiet. Like at this stage, she's not going to, you know, she's just real quiet. It's going to be fine. So we bring her to the movies. And <laughs> at first, people were pretty frustrated when they saw there was a baby. You know, they're like, ah, geez. But she was really quiet. Like she was great the whole time until her dang monitor went off in the middle of the show. Beep, 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 beep. So loud. And this was right after, <laughs> it's not funny. It was like right after that incident in the movie theater that shall not be named. So I think it was like, everybody was like, what is going on? And so Evan and I run the baby out and we, you know, wake her up and everything. And we have her in the hallway and I was just way too embarrassed to go back in. So I made Evan do the walk of shame and he walks back in and he gets all of our stuff and we leave. But that was like the first time we tried taking a break and it definitely didn't go well at all. So, you know, we um, are so thankful to God that he allowed us to have Evangeline in the first place. And I remember when we thought she might die, you know, maybe there was something really wrong with her. There was this sense of peace that came over Evan and I. And it's really hard to explain, except it was just this piece of utter and total submission to God of everything is so out of our hands. There's absolutely nothing we can do. And we know God is in control. And that's how we felt. And it, and we started thinking, at least we got her for like a week. You know, at least we were pregnant when we couldn't get pregnant. At least she came out and she, you know, was a beautiful baby. Like, all these little things. And we were still thankful to God that he let us have her even for that short amount of time. And people just didn't understand it. They didn't know why we would be like that. I'm telling you guys, you can't have that peace unless you have Jesus. It's just, man, if you do, I don't know, tell me your secret. But we leaned so heavily on God at that time. We leaned so heavily on Jesus at that time. And our church was, you know, their prayers were just so important to us. Um, our church is great, by the way, Sycamore Presbyterian. Check it out if you're ever in the Midlothian, Virginia area. But God is really good all the time. And when I tell you guys that God totally loves you all the time, I mean it. I mean it from the bottom of my heart because I know that God totally loves me and I suck. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming back to Nesting with the Early Birds. I'm your hostess, Shannon Early. Remember to like this episode or review it. Share it with somebody that might want to hear it. You can find me at nestingwiththeearlybirds.com. Email me nestingwiththeearlybirds at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or Instagram. All right, guys, remember God totally loves you all the time.